Hello and welcome to episode eight of Behind the Journey. This is the show myself and Sam Spencer discuss all the things that happened in the previous week, as well as things to come. Hopefully you guys can take something away for your entrepreneurial journeys. We discussed about the BT Marketing Expo, about how we got there and why we got asked to a podcast. We also discussed about Legal X and how I found myself on one of the stages and much more. Sorry, just everyone's listening at home, what essentially happened there is I was um, trying to get Sam nervous before the podcast, so um, what I subtly did there was just put a little bit of a jab in the ribcage just so he, um, so he bottled it, and he's got a bit red now actually. <laughs> Carry on. I don't know if I want to now. <laughs> it's 45 minutes till we get to go, I think I'd rather just... <laughs> right, so... You were on a podcast, which was actually at our stand. These two guys bowled over with their like portable podcast kit. Who were they and why? Okay, so um, for everyone to understand and listen to at home, uh, I did a talk at the BTV marketing expo on the first day, and it was all about personal branding and building your brand. And right after the talk, these two uh, young guys came across. And they said, look, this is exactly what we've been doing, Pete. Like, we've been trying to do this for six months now. And we both quit our job, uh, our safe job, and, and went and started our own adventure. They were DJs, essentially, and kind of created parties all across the world, like Ibiza and um, Malia and those sort of like party club resorts. And um, what they were, what they're doing is they're, they're trying to document the whole journey, very similar to what we're doing here with Inside the Journey is, you know, and Behind the Journey is very much kind of document the process. And they were doing that as well. And they just are making a massive amount of content content and I think we were they said to me after the, the the talk they said Pete can we you know can we can we grab your details like can we can we keep in touch and I was like yeah no worries at all and then he said um, can I have you on a podcast tomorrow and I was like yeah sure whatever because the BT marketing expo was over two days so it was very much kind of um you know they could see us the first day and they come back the second day and um they said can I have us on the podcast I was like yeah of course thinking to myself that Sam's coming down the second day so we could film it for our own content and also it's always good to kind of um, jump on other people's podcasts and also help out other people that are trying to do their thing. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's what the scenario was. And obviously we jumped onto the podcast uh, and had a few good questions. And what I quite liked about it is it was a different set of questions that I normally get. It was very sort of unique questions. They were very different. Uh, they weren't a standard sort of marketing questions I get asked. They were kind of really diving into, you know, what's been the hardest um, experience in business? What's been the, the most challenging? What's been the easiest? And um, what's been the big wins? And I think there was a lot of um, things that opened my eyes actually when we when you come to think about business, and it got me thinking about this whole notion of um, they said something along the lines of, and it's a bit of content that was actually put out um, recently on Instagram, which was um, what was the biggest moment in your business career, or what was the biggest upside, or the biggest change? I think it was, and and I said it really depends on what you what you class as a win, and it also. Is relative, rel- it's relative to the to the time of, of the of the year. Exactly. For example, what I mean by that is, the first year in business, a big win was something that would I would deem a small win now, whereas something that was a big win now would have been a huge win last year and a massive, massive, massive win in the first year. And the way we take wins and the and the ways we see those wins are so different depending on where we are in the journey. And this is why people always say they want to celebrate success because you know as you grow in your business career, your entrepreneurial journey, um, what you think is a success is 
not a success anymore because you're further on in that journey, if that makes sense to everyone listening, listening coming to this podcast, is that it's all changed and it's all rel- relative. So what it got me thinking is, should I be trying to break these down in more detail? Should I be understanding and celebrating the more micro wins? Should I be celebrating when I think something is a small win, but actually it's a big win? Like if I get a big client now that signs, it's a, you know, a, a record signing client that we had the other month. Um, that's, a, that's a big win for us now. But if I had that three years ago, it would be a monumental win. Like it would be a game changing. Like it was a revenue of some of our months, you know, back in the day. So it's crazy to think about the wins and how they change and how it's all relative. And it got me thinking about how do I celebrate these smaller wins that are now as if they were big wins back in the day? And am I setting myself up for failure because I'm not celebrating the wins like I used to before? And then it got me thinking about how it doesn't matter if it's a win or a loss anymore that I stay pretty kind of um, flatlined throughout and there's no real huge emotion on it. But those sort of questions are really great for me because it allows me to dive into the sort of the emotional aspects, the complexities of being an entrepreneur and why sometimes you feel the way you do. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating. It also reminded me, um, he said, when did you first start in your entrepreneurial journey? It was one of the other questions on the podcast. And it got me thinking about when I used to, I used to buy these, um, I think it was year eight. I used to buy these packs of chewing gum that were 30p for like a, like a yellow pack. I don't know what they call it, juicy. Like juicy fruit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know what it was, something like that. It's like 30p a pack and it'd have 10 in there. And I'd sell them a 10p each. Like, I'm not talking on no like sort of you know real real time hustler here when I'm like 13 or whatever, but like that's what I did. And I sold them for a pound a pack or 10p each. And I remember in the school what happened was they brought in this um, cashless scenario. So kids would be brought in with cash in their school and they'd go and buy lunch with cash, right? And the school brought out a cashless system where you basically took your cash or your parents gave you a check and it went onto your card directly. And what it essentially did overnight is it killed the whole cash society within the school. So whereas I used to be able to sell you know, two packs of chew- two sticks of chewing gum for 20p um, in school, now I couldn't do that anymore because everyone was on card. And it basically, quote unquote, killed the market for me. Uh, and, and that sounds ridiculous saying it killed the market for a 12, 13 year old. But what I mean by that is it gave them the grounding and understanding that you, know, you don't deserve anything, that scenarios can change, and markets can change, and you can be innovated out of business. And that is just a very, very small scale of how innovation killed a business. And for a 12-year-old selling 10 pieces of chewing gum. But it keeps my eyes open to change, and it keeps my eyes open to the way that markets are moving and how I need to be focusing on different things. Because if all it takes is cash to go to a card to kill a business, like in that scenario, then you should be adapting and changing more and planning ahead. So um, yeah, a load of questions that got me thinking on weird processes that I never thought about before. Like I knew that I was doing those like juicy fruit sales back in the day, but I never understood that it actually was innovation that killed it. And I'm looking at it now in a completely different mind. So it was a cool podcast actually. Like, I don't know if I'll ever get a copy. I don't even know where it is. You know, it was one of those where I'd said, yeah, yeah, boys, I'll happily be on your podcast. Didn't take any information, just did them a favor. So it's somewhere out there in the world. Um, I just have no idea where it is. I thought it was like, it was, yeah, it was just a really personal down-to-earth podcast because, like you say, like in podcasts, you generally get some, like quite a lot of generic questions from different podcasts you've been featured on, mostly just about business, how your business has grown, struggles in your business but they were they were more focused just on you as a person which i feel like relates to the fact that they're trying to do the same thing so i feel like i wanted to get some information out of you to see if it kind of correlates with their journey that they've been on i definitely agree i think a lot of the 
because we're doing this and a lot of people, this is all they see now from us, I get a lot of questions all the time about, you know, why are you doing personal branding? Why is Sam following on the camera? All these questions are the standard. So it's nice to get questions that are completely different than kind of, that kind of keep your, keep your thought process going. And I, I, I must say that as much as I love marketing and I love everything about marketing in the game is that I just love the entrepreneurial stuff much more. I love the questions more about business and entrepreneurship and how people can grow their companies. And I love that area more than I love marketing. So to get questions about that uh, and for people to think that I have an opinion on that or my, my opinion is worthwhile on that is, um, is an honor really. And I absolutely love, I love being part of it. Um, I don't know how well the content will come out on their end. I mean, there were talk, it was a podcast recorded in a expo hall. And we know how hard it is to do a podcast in this room, let alone an expo. So yeah, definitely. I don't know what the quality is going to be like. So whilst we're at the B2B Expo, you got asked to talk at Legal X, which was actually in a different place to where the B2B Expo was. We were running back and forth, doing talks there. And we actually uploaded the entire talk to YouTube because we thought there was quite a lot of um, good information there. But why, why, would, why did you choose to talk at a, a legal place so this is a really interesting the whole thing it's actually a really interesting topic for so many different reasons so um a year ago i was invited by a marketing manager of a solicitors firm we work with to go to legal x a year ago and a year ago and a couple of weeks back and we we rolled we rolled up and the expo was really small it wasn't very fun it was all right there's a few little mar- uh, halls and i listened to a few marketing speakers and off we trotted, but by about an hour of us being there, you know, we travelled to London, we've, we've walked around, got to travel and stuff, it's, now what? So we, we went out to the Excel and walked around, and we bumped into the BT Marketing Expo, and we went around there, and I thought this is a much better haul, and that's why we actually did the BT Marketing Expo the year later, I don't know if anyone knows that, but that's the actual reason, we were meant to go to Legal X, and we walked across and found BT Marketing Expo. But while I was at Legal X, I gave them my details, and I said, look, I'm interested in, um, in maybe expo in or something in the future, just let me know. And for the last kind of nine months, I would say, they've been trying to hound me to, to pay for their stand, which aren't cheap. Um, but I said, look guys, I'm doing it at a B2B marketing expo. I'm not gonna do a B2B marketing stand and also a legal X stand. And they were like, well, do you wanna do a talk? And I was like, well, um, I won't charge you to talk. You know, I won't, I won't put a fee to talk because I'm in the area and have to do it for free. Um, and that's and, that, and he goes, oh, but we normally charge. You normally have to pay Pete to do a talk for us. And I was like, nah, I ain't playing that game. So I went, I went away. Now I think if I went on the Legal X, and essentially what there is is there's one player that completely, utterly dominates all the legal marketing sort of thing, um, and there's no competition at all. It's just them. And I don't want to slag off agencies, and I don't mean this in any way. But if you look at the marketing techniques, I listened to one of their talks. They're talking to marketing five years ago. Yeah, they aren't even mentioning like Quora and Reddit and all these other things that pop up on YouTube. They're talking Google Google AdWords, nothing else. That's it. That's how you grow your business. And um, so to listen to that, I thought, right, there's a good gap in the market here anyway. So um, I did my talk. It went really well. Um, worth noting, actually, I don't know if Sam showed this, and I really hope this is on some content somewhere because I haven't seen it since. Um, there was no one in the audience, and I turned to Sam. I don't think you've put this in somewhere. You didn't put in this. I turned to Sam and said, there's no one here. But I guarantee at the end it'll be full. Have you that, seen was, that? that was the um, that was one of the talks in the B two B. Yeah, it was. Place. But it's also it was dead one at the other one. The other one was yeah. It started off quite empty and then it started to. And and what I put down to is that when you make your talk seem more interesting than the talk next to you, you always get their audience. And um, they had a marketing talk going on, 
and we just talked more passionate and we danced around and we jumped around and in the end we had a full room, didn't we? So um, that's the conversation in the marketplace. Now, that being said, um, you know, they gave me the opportunity to talk there. And I think the reason that they gave me the opportunity to talk there is because they wanted to buy a stand for next year. Let me get that straight. But I spoke there twice. 100 people came and listened to, to it combined over the two days. Small audience, but a very engaged audience. And look, anyone who knows my content, anyone who knows what I talk about, it's the all you need is one scenario. I'll talk to 100 people. You know, 10 people will get in touch, of which three people will sign. You know, that sort of numbers. So um, all I need is one to pay for everything. It was a free event. And... Um, Brad, my business partner, actually is debating going there and just dominating it for the next couple of years just to take all the market share because we think we can do it quite easily rather than doing a big one at B2B again next year. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the main thing with the legal X is that, like you said about uh, one of the marketing companies having most of the share, I think it's because they're very stuck in their ways. Mm. And the reason I think so many people came into your talk was because... You weren't just you weren't just all monotonous and just speaking everything they've heard before. You were just, you were saying innovative things in a passionate way, which just made them I think made them think more about it. The and we'll find this. So here's the thing, and I'm, again, this is this is always open as, as hell, right? I think, and this might sound ego, but you you hopefully you'll understand it. I think that if we just paid our way around the UK. For speaking events and we haven't done this ever yet we've never we've never paid for a speaking slot if we paid our way around the uk for speaking slots we'd grow our business really quickly i.e four grand for a speaking slot on a stage a couple of people in a room there next place next place whereas every bit of speaking we've ever done has been started from the first speak we had talk we ever did with seven people it's kind of crazy to look back on but seven people and then someone who had more people invite me to talk there then someone had more people had me to talk there and then so on so and that's how i've grown my speaking is by just speaking it bigger, slightly bigger, and slightly bigger. And I'm really intrigued on the fact that if we just went all in and just pushed me as a speaker at lots of different spaces, could I grow the business? And I think I probably could. And I think the doing the legal X one, I'm hoping that the guys call me back because of the quality of the talk. And I'm hoping they call me back to be a keynote rather than a seminar speaker. And I'm hoping that just by us being great speakers and pushing the boundaries and and offering something more than their standard marketing speaker that it pushes us to the next level again and again and again. Um, but I've seen people um, grow marketing brands just by being speakers. No stand, just paying for paying for stand, paying for, to speaking slots. And I do debate that we would be able to pull that through. Um, but we'll see. I might try that in, in not this year. I might try that next year. Just literally put me on tour, just speaking across the UK and see what happens. Why haven't you done it yet? Is it literally just, was it, is it a funds thing? Is it a well, it's just, nervous it, thing? Or did like no, not at all. It's, um, first of all, I think I need to get a better, better uh, speech lined up. I think, I think the way I do speeches, guys, just so you understand, is I'm a, unorganised or disorganised. I was confused. Disorganised? We'll disorganised. It's always a disorganised thing for me is that I'll be like, oh shit, I've got to talk in two, in two days. I better get, better get onto this because obviously we're just busy anyway. Um, and I think if I was going to do a kind of a quote-unquote UK tour, uh, I'd have to have it something more grounded and more in base and more focused on um, and then designed by the designers rather than cobbled together by me. But that's not the main thing. The second thing is four grand for to pay four grand to speak at an event where I think I bring enough value for people to pay me is probably an ego thing. You know, like why should I pay, why should I pay you for me to speak to your audience that they're paying to be there? Yeah. And um, that could be it. 
but then also there's better ways that we can invest our money right now that we're growing the company with so you know um don't know i don't know it's just a, a podcast it's just something you haven't weighed up yet properly so it's not been done yeah i'm going to call these things called they're called podcast processes where it's like i have a random thought and i just spit it out and there's, there's one of them could, could we could we literally just pay me to around the uk to grow a brand probably so we'll go to the polar opposite now. We went to a um, property expo that when you look at the week before we went to the marketing expo, which was huge, going to this place was quite a reality check, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so everyone's under, aware, you know, inundated with leads from the B2B, uh, absolutely crazy amount. And then obviously I've got, um, I've realized we've been booked into some property marketing event one we've been supporting since we started, and that's the reason why we continue to do it to support them because they supported us when we started. Um, but it meant that I, you know I sit down with Brad and I say to him, "Look, we've got this event next week. Who's going to it?" And I look down the list, and everyone's stacked in the agency. So I'm going, "Look, I'll, me and Sam will just go, and we'll, we'll kind of show our face." I'm doing a speaking event there anyway about you know, marketing and property. So me and Sam will just rock up and we'll just stand there. Now I'm glad that happened because it, nothing happened. It was so quiet. Uh, if you think we had thousands, I think it was 16,000 people, 20, 25,000 people at the B2B. Uh, I think we were lucky if we had 50 at this at this one. I think we'd, that'd be probably bent, that'd probably over the top, actually. I genuinely think we had three people come up to us and talk yeah, to us. I agree with that. And, and two of them were trying to sell us something. Yeah. And all the other people there were people you already knew, so building more touch points, which yeah. is good, but at the same time, not exactly leads that you'd need. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, I had a dinner, which was average, and then... Uh, and then Yours I, was all right. Mine was, yeah. Well, basically, here's the thing, right? So I didn't know who was going to come to me to this event, so we have a few vegetarians and vegans, so I said to the host, look, um, I'll have the meat and whatever, but can you order me a vegan um, main and dessert and start or whatever because I don't know who's coming yet so obviously when Sam came Sam had the full vegan meal and it was absolutely looked rank so wasn't, it wasn't the best but unlucky uh, anyway, um, so yeah I mean there comes a time where you have to say look thank you for being supportive when we were three and a half years ago but we don't want to do this anymore and we can't support this anymore because the event has no return on investment um, but I don't know I mean it's, it's a difficult one for us Lovely people, great event in terms of like what they've done, but you know we've got to be selfish with our business now, and we probably won't support that one again. I don't think. I went upstairs to the other office because I was looking for some inspiration for this podcast, and one of the questions I got posed was from one of the creative team that basically just said, "Like, how do you make your team feel like a team, and how do you make each subsection feel like their own individual teams?" So the way I've done it. Um from a uh, holistic view, is that I've basically put someone in charge of that team. So that one person is then in charge of the, the culture within the team, um, the team bonding within that team, and that one person's in charge of that, and it kind of gives it a central point. Um, plus it takes a lot of stress from me having to manage all that. Um, but I think what we've done really well here is, and this probably will change over time as we grow, is that I don't think, all the people are within different departments and different teams, I still think that they are very aware that they're actually part of Distract. I think you can go to lots of other agencies or big brands where they're in the marketing team, but they're not within the, the wider team. Uh, and it's almost marketing versus finance or marketing versus creative or marketing versus new business or whatever it may be. What I think with Distract we've got so far, because it's a small team, is everyone's entwined. But the thing that I put down to a lot of the team 
bonding connectivity is when brands brad sorts out all the socials and stuff where everyone can go out together i think there's another one getting organized next week or next month um i saw it in the calendar today come pop up which is good and and that's what things about and it's about when someone has an issue sometimes there's cross parties so creative team had a, had a bit of drama today and then i came in and then tom came in and then it's now cross party teams helping out the issue um whereas most times if it's a team issue they'll be like you're the team sorting out it's on you um and that's kind of what i've put it down to i know the creative team are creating a creative newsletter or something that's what they're doing where um all the work's happening within the creative department is going as part of a newsletter to the wider team so the wider team can understand what the creative team's doing and how they're doing it and and how well they're doing which i'm, I'm open for you know um a lot of mds or operations directors would sit there and go you know that is three hours of time that's billable being wasted from the creative team i see that as a personally i see that as a hr benefit that the creative team want to make themselves be more known and more friendly with the wider team and i'm a massive advocate of that sort of thing so um you know the way i've always built this team on culture is just laissez-faire you know almost let people have free reign to what they want and then only come in when, when it's required and i think that's been the, the key thing but you know you look at these more traditional firms even traditional agencies you know i don't know how they've got any culture truthfully i don't know how they've got any culture um it just seemed very boring very dull very much you come in your, in your shirt, shirt and tie uh, to what is a creative field and i don't understand how that can even create any culture um so that's that i guess i really i really like how all of the the teams work together as a team like it's not like a marketing versus creative or anything like that everyone's quite collaborative but we've just got a new office that the creative team is going to be going into how is that collaborative work gonna stay as fluid as it does now when I, they're in different offices? I think it'll be affected. I think that our separate offices are a massive uh, effect, have a massive effect on the culture. I think I'm anti separate offices. Um, anyone that watches the vlog will understand that we have a separate office here, we have a separate office upstairs, and we get another separate office. So we have three separate offices within the same building. Um, which I'm not a fan of at all. And the faster we can get out of this scenario, the, the better. What we have is an issue with um, with growth. You just don't have enough space for staff. We've got another three people starting soon and I haven't even got three desks right now free. So um, that's the issue we have. But yeah, I think there'll be a massive effect because I think you won't be creative, won't be seeing ads as much as they always do. And therefore ads will get more stressed that creative work isn't being done fast enough and then because, but they can't see how busy they are because they're not in the same room. And I think it will be an issue, um, but which we're trying very fast to get everyone back in the same room, and that's including me and Sam. You know, at the moment we're in a separate office, but can we get everyone back in the same room just so everyone can kind of work more cohesively together? And that is the main aim, I think, at the moment is trying to get everyone back into the same office. I think it will make our personal content a lot better as well when we do get to be in the same room as everyone else, because you can you can vibe with people, you can have direct conversations. Whereas I think at the minute, every time you need to talk to someone else in the team, like you'll go up sometimes if there's a big issue, but usually it'll just be like a dial upstairs to the phones. Oh yeah, and I'd, and I'd rather walk up to people and tap them on the back and be like, what's up with this or how's this going? But it's unpractical really at the moment with the amount of things going on for that to happen. Plus everyone watching the vlog where it doesn't see it because it's like, Sam, get your camera, walk upstairs, film it. It's just a bit of a ball late. But when we have the open plan, which we should have soon, everyone we've got to see all the drama and all the action and it'd be much better content anyway so did you get any questions from instagram this week you remember to put out your story again so i did indeed give me a second um rightio 
Okay, so I got one um, literally a minute ago that said, and I'm just going from the top to the bottom of these because it's easier than sifting them out. What's your favourite part of your job? Have you had this before? I don't know if you have. Um, we'll may- maybe I'm something along the same lines, but... So favourite part of the job is that is, is pretty simple, is that we I have the ability to, to take a business in any direction I want. Um, we have some amazing people here, and tomorrow I could literally use all that arm, armory, all that kind of um, clout, and we can go and do something else. And that's what I love most is the freedom that others go, right, okay, cool, let's go do this now, or yeah, that's cool, let's go launch this now, or yeah, cool, I like how that is, but let's do this now. And having the ability for us to customize and change our destiny, just like by the touch, by like literally just like a, a few words, we can all move in the same direction. And that's what I love most. And um, what I also love as well as, is working alongside some real passionate creatives. I think, and this is gonna sound borderline political, but it's not. I think we're living in a time right now where um, a lot of people moan about a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of people who um, don't push the boundaries, aren't trying massively hard to do whatever. And I think that the great thing we have here at Distract is we have so many people who are absolute workhorses that try really hard, that are pushing boundaries, that are trying to um, change the game, make a massive effort. And being around people like that is what it's all about. So I, I almost love being around like-minded individuals that are always pushing the boundaries. And I know fundamentally that no matter what, what person we pitch against or no matter what client we have, we'll always be the, the right team for the job. I, I truthfully believe that. I think far too many times I'll walk into other agencies and see the pitches or whatever, and I'll be like, this just seems boring and dull. Whereas I know when we get a brief or we get a project or we get an opportunity, we go out with absolute like tenfold and we give it a good job and a good, a good effort. And I think that is rare to see in 2019. I think, um, I think far too many people are just kind of just going through their daily life just because they have to rather than because they want to. And I think that's the thing that is, is the best part of my job is I see people who really, really care what they're doing and really want to push the boundaries. And that kind of feeds back to me as well. Um, and that's what I love most is just seeing the potential, seeing the opportunity and knowing that tomorrow if we wanted to go and do something else, we can. Tomorrow if we want to go and create an e-commerce business, we can. Tomorrow if we want to go, want to go and open a accountancy practice, we can. And the opportunity is, is the only thing that is in our way and we can, we can kind of give it a go straight away tomorrow. And I think that's, that's, that's fine. And it's, it's just not, and because we have great people around us, it makes it even better. And that, that's the best part of my job is, is opportunity. Um, and every single time I go to make a hire or every single time I go uh, and have like a question with the wider team, it's always how can we make that opportunity better? How can we make my job better and how can we make everyone else's job better as well? Which is why if we sit in interviews, a good example is this. Um, I had an interview, um, offered someone the job. I don't know if he's even confidential this. Offered someone the job. <laughs> this is my life. Offered someone the job, got a reply and I thought, I don't know if I like that reply. And it changed the way I thought about that person, which would have an effect on the agency, which would have an effect on everything, which would have an effect on the opportunity. And it's all a, a snowball. So I said to Brad, I can only make another, another choice. And, and that's what I've constantly got at me at the forefront all the time is how can I make everyone's job better? How can I make everyone enjoy things more? How can I make the opportunity bigger for everyone in the team? And that is the number one, because if we can make everyone else run in the same direction, if we can make everyone else have the same opportunity, then everyone's job is much better and everyone else enjoys it. And that's how you get the staff retention and that's how you get staff loyalty and that's how you grow a real cool company in 2019. And, and yeah, it's a really long-winded way of saying that's how I like my job. But that is, that's the premise of the whole thing is focus on the real small details to make sure that everything top level is beneficial for everyone. But 
you know, my job is only fun if everyone else is having a fun job because that's what it comes down to. If everyone else is stressed and not, not enjoying it, then it always comes back on me. That is my job to for it to come back on me. Um, when it, when yeah. is your next tomorrow venture? So, um, yeah, interesting. So I don't know if, have we mentioned about the failure of the last one? Ever? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, I'm to be honest. So if you watch the vlog, you'd have seen that we had a deal with some car audio, a car audio brand. It was all signed off. We, um, we put a lot of resources into it. We really gave it a good, good go and we were ready to go. The moment we said, right, we're ready to go, the other party pulled out, which is an absolutely massive ball ache. And we'd sunk some cash into it. We were ready to really move on it. Um, so I said to the guy, well, if you're not willing, basically what happened, we agreed 50-50 deal. They wanted 60%, so he walked away um, to give you the complexities. And... Um, we were doing most of the work in my opinion, that's why we walked away. And then, you know, if we're gonna go full PC on it. But, um, where am I going with this? Oh yeah, so we were like, fine, we'll just go get the stock from somewhere else and sell it anyway, and that's fine. But then me and Brad sat down and I imagine we next, next week, um, I love how open this podcast is to be honest. And um, we're essentially gonna try and free Brad up. So Brad, as a business person, is, is amazing at operations, uh, organization, he's a decent designer and decent developer as well. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. So it makes sense for Brad, if you can free Brad up to a certain point, that he can just go and create companies. And, and essentially what I said to him is, I'm sick. I'm sick of relying on other people to get these other projects done. Because every single time we go and stop any other companies, whatever they may be, for the last three times we tried to get a deal done, every single time the party's pulled out, every single time they've gone, oh, I don't wanna leave my job anymore, or oh, I don't wanna do this deal anymore, or oh, I don't wanna put that investment in anymore. And you're like, are you stupid? Because now it stops us being able to do it as well. So I said to Brad, I'm sick of relying on other people. So from now on, I want the only people to be responsible for this is me and you. And if we both sit in a room, we nod and we go, yeah, we'll spend this much money on it. And yeah, we'll get this done. The only person you can blame is each other. I'm not having another conversation where I'm going, that's not going ahead because that person let us down. Because if it doesn't go ahead, it's because of ourselves. So we're going to try and free Brad up over the next three to six months where he can create other brands himself. He can get it done, what's called an MVP, a minimum viable product. We can get it out there, we can make sure it has legs, make sure it has effort. And if it is working, it then rolls into the agency and the agency kind of grow it. So it's very much focused on, can we get lots of projects out really quickly at a low cost, make sure they work. And if they do work, we put the agencies as like a, a rocket up its ass basically. Um, and that's the plan over the next kind of three to six. Um, but we just need to kind of alleviate Brad with some tasks first of all, which will probably mean we have to bring like an admin person just to help kind of free his time up. And then if he can commit you know, 25 hours a week, towards other projects we should be able to get them out much faster but i'm just sick of relying on other people all the time and i think if you you know that is the biggest thing i've learned is just you can't rely on anyone else it's outside of the organization because they just can't they just they're not as committed as you the other thing that i i, I deeply deeply thought as well is that um i always thought that if i had a great opportunity for someone and i put it on their on their like table they would snatch it because that's like, oh, an amazing opportunity and what i've realized is that being an entrepreneur is a real specific breed. Like a great opportunity for an entrepreneur is not a great opportunity for someone who's not an entrepreneur. And I'm putting entrepreneurial deals on the table for people to go, that's amazing. And they're just walking away from them. Like, I can't, and I can't believe it for a second why they would walk away from it. So I'm, yeah, I'm just sick of, of people letting us down. And the only way you can get around that is by just doing it yourself. So the way we grew Distract was me and Brad. And the way we'll grow our next company will be me and Brad, unless something else comes up, which is a no brainer. And that's what we're gonna do moving forward. So we're completely ignoring this 26 minute drive oh, yeah. time now. We're, yeah. on, we're on like 30 odd minutes. I so. think we should try and make them longer. 
well, we can do whatever we want. It's not <laughs> oh, yeah, like, like you say, we've not got a client that we're like, oh, actually, sorry, it's got to be less than 30 minutes. Very true. It's very true. We can do whatever we want. On a side note, um, I've, I've, I've set up some new tasks and I think that what I should do on these podcasts as well is let people understand that my tar- my personal targets. So anyone who follows me on Instagram would have seen that yesterday of this recording, I hit 103 days without being sober, with not having any alcohol. And there's no sort of celebration party for me. There's no sort of like, oh, great. It was quite easy. I honestly thought it was one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life. It was like, there was a few moments where I'd been out with my mates and they'd been like, oh, here you go, Pete, have a beer. Or I was at like a concert or whatever and there was like beer right under my throat. But not for one, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm chill, boys. And you get a bit of peer pressure, you get a bit of banter, but other than that, you move on from it. And I honestly thought it was one of the easiest things to do. And I think within myself and within my kind of like health, I think the the multiplication of like how much better you feel is outstanding. Because I, I kept thinking every single time I had like a drink or went on a night out and got drunk or whatever, it would just reset me a few days. And now I've had a compound, compound of 103 days of feeling fresh and it's quality. So my next two, t- two goals, and here we are, I'm going to make them official now. Which means I have to do them. Which I hate things like this. But um, I've joined the gym, haven't I, Sam? It's, you have. It's crazy. You've been twice? Fuck off. <laughs> Can I swear on <laughs> podcast? I, as you'll notice, I swear quite a lot on the vlog, but I try not to in the podcast for so many reasons. I don't think we might have to mute that out. Who knows? Uh, now we'll roll with it anyway. Um, yeah, so um, I've been going for probably 10 days now. I'd say 10 days. I've been going every day, apart from Saturdays. Um, just, I feel like I need to get some sort of routine in place, right? And um, after reading um, The Slight Edge, which is all about kind of micro-incremental growths, I thought it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm playing tennis and I'm, I'm trying to get my running back onto sub-20 for a 5K, which is my, my aim. And I've started playing around the weight. And when I say playing around, it's because I have no idea what I'm doing. But the only thing I'm trying to focus on at the moment is can I go every single day, sorry, can I go six days a week for 100 days, essentially? is my aim um, because if I can get the consistency right getting what I do within those sessions is fine it's just turning up showing up and then kind of giving it a go and then as I get more in, in kind of bed with it um, what I do and, and how I do it will, will make a difference so my, my big task at the moment is can I get half decent at tennis can I get my 5k time under 20 minutes and then can I just do something with weights as uh, is, is kind of the, the premise of the whole thing and then on top of that I'm trying to um, because of how shocking I've been at reading books and having to explain every week on this podcast that I'm still reading The Slight Edge, which is becoming demoralizing for me, <laughs> as well as everyone at home, I've decided to read a chapter of a book every single night. So, um, for 100 days. So that's my two two tasks. So actually, how many, when, when is 100 days from now? I'm actually intrigued now. I need to know. Well, it's the 15th today. Um, how, 100 days from now. 100 days from today. So I'm Googling this just over the way. Is there any reason why you've chosen 100 days? Is it just because it's a nice round number or...? Sounds cool, right? Yeah. So I started yesterday. So 100 days from yesterday was July 23rd. So July we'll, 23rd. we'll reconvene on July the 23rd. Because, I mean, I'm not going to be... I'm not, do you know what I'm going to do as well? I'm not going to be like, oh, I've already been going to the gym for, t- for 10 days. Do you know what? It started yesterday. That's how, <laughs> that's how... That is literally how confident I am that I'll be able to do 100 days. Is I'm happy to write off 10 days already. That's, how, that's the confidence of it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, and because I know what I'm like, I've gone for a decent gym, which I'm going to enjoy going to because I know I'll be like, oh, I don't want to go to that gym. It's a bit grotty. Or, oh, I don't want to go lift weights in that area because of all the, the I don't know, big guys or whatever. 
I was going to say something not politically correct there, but there's a big guys there. So I've, I've decided against it. I'll go to a nice gym. Chosen the old man gym. Yeah, chosen the old man gym. Um, I've also put it, put it down to networking as well. I think I might be able to close a deal there. The expense of the company. So we see that. So we see <laughs> the next 100 days I can get a deal at the gym. Well, you want to try and sign a client from going <laughs> to the gym? That, that would be an incredible 100 effort. day challenge would be go to the gym every single, every single day, six, six days a week, read a book every night, and sign a client within 100 days from going to the gym. Do it, and then it one. I'm going to do that. I'm going to sign a client and go to the gym for, for 100 days. And then if anyone listens to this podcast ever gives me any crap about, oh, I can't be able to go to the gym or whatever, I'll be like, you literally can grow your business. <laughs> you can grow your business from going to the gym. You can actually grow your business. So yeah, I'm going to sign a client from going to the gym. Sometimes I've got a network when I get there as well. It's a hustle when I get there. I'm going to get there. So I'm also going to work out. I'm going to speak to the receptionist, right? I'm, this is the full strategy now. I'm going to say, look, when do the big dogs get in? because I reckon it's me like 3 p.m., 4 p.m. It'll be when work's getting wrapped up. They'll go for a early lunch, uh, sorry, an early meeting, and they'll have their meeting at the gym. So I reckon I'll get the big dogs about four o'clock. So I might have to start doing it myself to try and get in the pattern, and then I'll be able to close some deals. And I'll be in the, in the steam rooms at like 4.30 negotiating deals. We'll see what happens. It'll be funny. Well, good luck to you on that one. Yeah. I won't be there because I don't go to your gym. So no. you, go to, you go to, what's it called? A, a proper gym, as you call it. <laughs> A gym. Proper gym, yeah. Um, yeah, also, just where uh, I was listening, we're, um, well, apparently we're starting the Distract podcast today. However, not, not, not me and Sandler run it. Um, it's some other members of the team, but I'm looking around now and I can't see them, so... I did see them come downstairs earlier, but we, we basically just had this realisation, didn't we, where it's like, we're now eight episodes in, we've yeah. been doing it every week. It's not very difficult. It's pretty easy. Is it? it takes probably half an hour, 45 minutes out of your day. Mm. And they've been talking about doing it for ages, so it's just like trying to push them along almost because we've now started it and we're doing it. It's like, you guys can do it now. Yeah, yeah, please. So they're about to do it right after this. Like, I've set it up for them and everything. So. Well, I, I think they're going to flake it again. But then again, it is now 10 to 5. So yeah, we, but do you know what we'll find out? It depends how committed people are. We'll find out the true commitment of the tr- yeah. strap member of the team. Are they going to stay behind for the extra 20 minutes, half an hour? I would bank they probably will. I reckon they will. But we'll see. Well, I know that I've still got work to do, so. Yeah, we're <laughs> shafted. Um, <laughs> Thanks for everyone who shared the podcast on LinkedIn and to a friend last week. I really appreciate it. Anyone that kind of gets the message out is a, you know, is, is a friend to us. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, whoever, whoever's question it was I asked, you get a free book as always. So just send me a DM on Instagram. I'll send it out for you. But as always, I really appreciate you listening. Hopefully you found it some value and we'll see you next week.